happens, we'll receive the Lord, and hopefully they would become a church. So our dream and our vision is that we would plant a church in a remote part of the Philippines. We don't want to plant a church where there are many churches, but we want to plant a church where there is no church. That's why we go all the way to Kassan province. So we thank you for the gifts, but we ask for your prayers that the Lord will bless our going there, that many would come to know the Lord and a church would start, whom we would support for three or four years. So we would visit that hopefully small and growing church for a number of years until they could stand on their own then maybe we'll plant another church somewhere else. So that's the plan, that's the dream, that's the goal. So please pray for that and thank you for your contribution. Uh, I think you know what's going on in the world and I have a video to show. This is a video sent to us by an Iranian brother, Ahmad Saydevi. And it's about the hurting of the Iranian people. Uh, Iran has controlled the media. We don't know much what's going on there. The only news that comes is what the Iranian government allows to come out and what the people from Iran are telling us. So I'd like to show you a video clip to, to spare you to pray for Iranian brothers because according to him, the Lord is doing great things in Iran. In fact, there are many Iranians who are becoming Christians. And an often way that the Lord converts Muslims to Christianity is by visiting them in their dreams. And to Muslims, to dream is a very powerful thing to experience. So, here is a video and then hopefully you would remember the people of Iran and our brothers and sisters here who are mourning because of the events that happened recently. Loved ones, 
that we could comfort them with the comfort and hope that comes from God. Pray. Name is Hello, my name is Ahmed. I and my team are involved in reaching Iranians with the gospel. I'm from Iran and still have a lot of family there. It has been on my heart to communicate with the larger body of Christ regarding the current situation in Iran. As you know, Iran has been on the news a lot this past month. Things in Iran have been very difficult even before the present crisis. There have been economic sanctions and the government of Iran suddenly decided to raise the gas prices by 300%. This resulted in a lot of worry for people and anger towards the government. The people began rioting and the government responded by shooting randomly into the crowds. Over 1,000 people got killed, young and old. The next event was the killing of General Soleimani, the top Iranian general in Iraq. A massive funeral was held for him in Iran, and another 60 people died due to a stampede during the funeral. Iran retaliated by shooting missiles at the American bases in Iraq. A few hours later, a civilian Ukrainian airplane was shut down over Tehran with 176 passengers who were killed instantly. The majority of the passengers were Iranians, with 63 of them being Iranian Canadians. This has not only affected many families in Iran, but also the whole Iranian community in Canada and around the world, who are in deep mourning and despair. We are trying to comfort families back in Iran and also families here who have lost loved ones. Each person feels like they have lost their own son or daughter. People are feeling devastated and a lot of fear and anxiety about this whole situation. It seems pretty hopeless for them. Please pray with us. Pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones that we could comfort them with the comfort and hope that comes from God. Pray for the Iranian communities across Canada who are mourning and feeling lots of anxiety, fear, and hopelessness. Pray that God would protect the people in Iran and open the doors of Iran through this situation. Pray for the underground church believers in Iran to be emboldened to share the gospel. They have commented how people have been very open during this time to hear the truth. Pray that during this time, God will bring good out of this situation and open people's heart and mind to the gospel. Thank you so much for your prayers. Please don't stop. Many people have said the Iranian church is the fastest growing church in the world, despite having a building or trained leaders. So your prayers matter. I asked this brother Ahmed how we could help them and I was thinking maybe we could pass the hat and help them. They said, we just need your prayers. And Josh spoke about uh, being the church. Church is not just, this is singing and praising, but church is caring for one another. And for now, what we could do for Iranian brothers is to pray for them. So please uh, remember them whenever you talk to our Father in heaven. 
just offer a short prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for opening our eyes that many things are happening beyond our knowledge. And we cry out to you for our brothers and sisters in Iran, those who are here and those who are in Iran living in obscurity because it's not allowed to practice Christianity in Iran. I pray that you would protect them and even embolden them to share their faith and visit many Iranians that they would dream of the Lord Jesus. For now, we pray for our brothers and sisters as they seek to uh, use the situation to come with your love and with your gospel. And pray that you are the one who uh, causes uh, good things to count out bad things. Didn't you say through Joseph, people could mean evil, but you meant for good, for the saving of lives. The Iranian government uh, fired on that airplane, Lord. By mistake, it was was sad, Lord, but we pray that you would use that sad and tragedy, tragic thing to reveal yourself to these people and show who you are in that, as we sang a while ago, how you love them. In Christ's name we pray. Responsible for the uh, Sunday school system that we have today, there is a Christian lady named Henrietta Merz, who, with a few other ladies, had designed the Sunday school system, the modern Sunday school system that we have today. One time she said, when God gives a command or a vision of truth, it's never a question of what he will do, but what we will do. When God wills something, it would happen one way or another. No one and nothing can stop it. The only question is, how do we respond to the will of God when he makes it known to us? Somebody said, to be successful in God's work is to fall in line with God's will and to do it his way. So he's saying, even before the initial results, no matter what happened initially, no matter how people would respond, just for us to seek the will of God and abide by it is already a success. So when you come to church to worship Him, because it's His will for us to worship Him, it's already a success. Whenever you pray and read your Bible, whenever you try to do good things to people, that is the will of God. Regardless of what people would say, regardless of the initial results, you have already done a successful work. Whenever we please the Lord, whenever we do something that delights Him, that itself is already a success. It was God's will to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us from our sin. But when the Lord Jesus came, when He was born, people had various reactions to His coming. Like when He was born. Remember the Magi? They left home and traveled far in order to bring gifts to the Messiah and to worship Him. But what did the religious leaders, the Levites and the priests in Jerusalem do? They did nothing. They knew that the Messiah was coming. And when word came to them that the Messiah was born, they even knew where to find him. They said, you should go to Bethlehem because there's a prophecy. But they did not bother to come and visit Jesus, the Messiah. They were uninterested and they continued what they were doing, oblivious to the birth of the promised Messiah. And then there's Herod. When he learned that the Messiah, the king was born, what did he do? He tried to put a stop to him. He sent his soldiers to butcher 
baby boys, two years old, because he wanted to go against the will of God. Do we find similar responses in church? When God reveals something to us, how do we respond? Some of us get excited. We, we just go for it. We dive in, even head first. Others, they, they twiddle their tongue, you know. Why wrap the boat? Others try to go against it, either plainly or discreetly. Even before the twins were born in our story, as we continue from last week, the Lord already told Isaac and Rebekah that one shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God chose to fulfill his promises to Abram, not through the firstborn Esau, but to the younger Jacob, that was. And this will of God divided the family of Isaac. That's why I remember what Jesus says. Don't think that I always come for peace. Sometimes I bring a sword that divides family. So there is Isaac and Esau who tried their best to, to go against the will of God as if they could win against the will of God. And there's Rebecca and Jacob who tried to implement the will of God, but not God's way, but their way, as if God needed help. And so last week we learned that when Isaac felt that his death was near, he called for his favorite son Esau and says, Anak, son, cook me some bulalo, handsome animal, and make me delicious food, and then I will give you my blessings. And when the mother heard it, what did the mother do? Uh, she connived with Jacob and said, Son, your father is about to give his blessings to your kuya. Here's what we're going to do. She prepared a recipe that made goat taste like deer. She, she's ready the best garments of Esau so that Jacob would smell like Esau. And then she took the goats of the skin that she would butcher and cook and attach it to the hands and the necks of Jacob, neck of Jacob, so that Jacob would feel like Esau. And so deceived, Isaac ate of the soup and then gave the blessings to Jacob. Now in our text, Jacob had a close call. Maybe just a few seconds after Jacob left the father, his father's presence, here comes Esau, dad, dad, here it is. Come on, come on, give my blessing. Yeah, that didn't take long for Esau and Isaac to discover the conspiracy. And so the account of Isaac's family is one of conflict that started in chapter 25. Conflict between Isaac and Rebekah, husband and wife who were devoted to each other before and to God, now fighting each other against Jacob and Esau. But overarching this, this conflict of the family is the sovereignty of God, His will for our salvation. And as Henrietta Merce said, Whenever God gives a command or a vision of truth, it's never a question of what he will do. It's a question of what we will do in response to the will of God. Will we ignore it? Will we oppose it? Or we will submit to it? Father, as we continue the story about Jacob, Isaac, Esau, and Rebekah, would you Help us find similarities in their lives, in their families, in our family. And perhaps correct the things that we have done wrong and correct the notions that we're thinking of doing. Last week we learned that 
Isaac was stubborn. Are we stubborn? We learned that Rebecca resorted to lying and deceiving, and we are not supposed to do that. And now we'll talk about Esau and the what ifs and the what is. And as we continue the story, help us to hear from you. Hear from you. Lord, they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you, God. And so you have just chosen to be my mouthpiece, and you have decided to use my mind, my imagination, understanding of your word. But I pray that what these people would hear would ultimately come from you, not from me. What can I say? What can I do? Father God, speak to these people, for they need to hear from you. In Christ's name I pray. Now, for all considerations, Esau no longer had the right to receive Isaac's blessing. Why did I say that? Because he sold this birthright to Jacob. He sold his rights as firstborn to his younger brother, Jacob. When he went home from hunting and Jacob offered that bowl of soup, he said, what's with this birthright? I'm about to die. You know, what use is this birthright? Give me that soup. He was exaggerating. Right? I'm about to die. Hello? Even if you wait for two hours to cook that animal you hunted, you won't die. It's obvious that to Esau, his birthright is not important to him. That's why the writer of Genesis wrote, Esau despised his birthright. So for him, the material things are more important than the things and promises of God. And so the writer of Hebrews declared that what Esau did was immoral and ungodly. And so he gave up his soul. He threw away his rights as the firstborn son when he accepted that bowl of soup from Jacob and gave an oath that from now on you are the kuya. He no longer has rights to the blessings of his father. And so when Isaac called Esau, Esau, panganay, come, and I'm going to bless you, what Esau should have done, in my opinion, was tell the truth to his father. Dad, I'm not supposed to receive your blessings anymore because I'm sorry I sold my rights to my brother. You should bless my brother. That's what she should have done. Face the truth, tell the truth. But when Esau was insistent on blessing when Isaac was insistent on blessing Esau, he saw a chance to cheat his brother. He saw a chance to renege on his promise. He saw a chance to get what is not supposed to be his anymore. And here he is crying foul that Jacob is a trickster when Esau tried to trick Jacob of the birthright that he already sold and gave an oath to his younger brother. And so we learn in the story that when he learned that Jacob got the blessing instead of him, he did not accept it. He says it's unfair. He cried foul. He cried out according to our verse with exceedingly great and bitter cry. The man who despised his birthright, the man who married two pagan women and made lives difficult for his, his parents, the man who, who, who is now weeping, now cries for his father's blessing. And here's the thing. He's somehow saying it's not his fault. It was only his brother's fault, plain and simple. Now, 
let's tell the truth. Jacob was not innocent. He was crafty. Magulang si Jacob. He was, he was a trickster. True, his means are deplorable. But Jacob was just taking what was his. Remember, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. And so Esau gave up by oath his birthright, and Esau seemed to forget or ignore that. When in doubt, somebody said, always blame somebody. That's the motto of many people. When in doubt, blame the weather, blame your spouse, blame your children. When something unwanted is happening in our lives, many always find want to find someone or something to blame because they don't want to blame themselves. Instead of accepting the truth and assuming the responsibility, Esau tried to snatch back what he willingly gave to Jacob. And because he forgot or ignored the fact that it was more of his fault than his brother's fault, why he did not have the blessing of his father, he hated his brother and planned to kill him after his father died. Perhaps he was thinking, if I cannot have it, my brother will not have it too. Tabla-tabla na lang tayo. That was what he thinking. And so Esau planned to kill his very own brother. He was so angry at Jacob, but he pitied himself. He saw himself as the victim, and Jacob, his younger brother, the perpetrator, Jacob, again, was by no means innocent. He was not innocent of wrongdoing. But Esau must remember that he despised his birthright and gave up his right as firstborn by oath to his brother Jacob. The writer of Hebrews was blunt in describing Esau's actions and words. He says in Hebrews 12, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So it seems Esau failed to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, that no one is sexually immoral and unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. When he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Somebody said, everyone has a price. Is that true? Everyone is surprised that you're willing to give up your faith, you're willing to sell your soul if the price is right. And the Bible tells us that we must know which things are very valuable, which things really matter the most. Your soul is more valuable than getting the whole world. Didn't Jesus say that? Even if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, you did not gain, you lose. It's a, it's a loss. It's not a profit. So we are told that Esau had a wrong valuation of things. Esau selling his birthright for a meal was considered by the writer of Hebrews as immoral and unholy. By despising his birthright, Esau held God's promises in contempt. You could say that he loved the things of the world more than the things of God. He sang that song a while ago, if more of you is less of me, I was having a hard time singing it. Do you really mean when you sing that? Do you really mean that? What if God says, okay, I'm taking you your, your convenient life, your comfort. You have two cars, I'll just give you a bike. 
But I'll give you myself. Are you ready for that, dear? That's a tough song to sing. And for us to do that, we must be able to know and recognize who Jesus is. That he is worthy to leave everything just to be found in him. Like what Paul says, I consider everything a loss. And I consider them rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. For whose sake I lost these things so that I might be found in him. If more of you means less of me, take everything. Are we sometimes like Esau? We value more the lesser things and value less the greater things. Do we fix our eyes on what is seen and temporary than what is unseen and eternal? Do we forget what we pledge? Baka makalusot? Didn't you promise? Shh. No. Do we forget what we pledged? We committed to God our lives when we we receive Jesus, you'll become my Lord and Savior. Do we forget that? We do not honor what we promise. And if there's a way we could break our word, we do it and just find excuses later. And when things do not turn out well, when things do not turn out the way we expect it, do we just blame others and pronounce vengeance on people instead of remembering that we have a large share of the things that are happening in us? Instead of plotting vengeance, whether by active plotting or giving the cold shoulder, the best thing to do is to forgive. That's what Esau should have done. Since we have a God who sees everything and knows everything, and he will bring justice and make things right. Paul writes in Romans 12, 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And instead of doing that, the Bible says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him, and put no poison. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, clean. And for by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. And then he says, Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. When the Magi did not report back, remember the story of the first Christmas? When Magi did not report back to King Herod, what did King Herod do? He ordered his soldiers to kill all baby boys two years old and below. Why? Because he doesn't want Jesus to become king. He wants to remain king. But did it work? No, he died. Jesus grew up and became the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. No one can frustrate the plan of God. No one. When the prophet jo jo Jonah was asked by the Lord, go to Nineveh, what did Nineveh do? I, what did the Jonah do? He ran away from God. The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. He went to the opposite direction, to Tarshish, and he, he, he boarded the ship. But what happened later on? You find Jonah in the belly of a big fish, and later on preaching to the Ninevites. No one can frustrate the will of God. Remember the brothers of Joseph who tried to kill him and ended up selling him to the Ishmaelites. Why? Ito naman kasi si Joseph may hangin eh. May kay. One time he came to his brother. You know what? I dreamed 
that you will bow down before me. He was one of the youngest, you know. Joseph, okay, that is what God told you. Don't rub it to your brother's face. And so the brothers got angry of Joseph. My epale, right? And so they tried to kill him. But what happened? Joseph eventually became the governor of Egypt and his brothers went to him and bowed down to him so that he would sell grain to them. No one can stop the will of the Lord Almighty. Have you had experience when you went against the will of God and thought you got it? You know? And then something happens after a few years and you realize, oh, I was not able to circumvent the will of God. And how did you feel? You, th you thought you have, you have scored against God. And then you realize that God's plan cannot be broken. When Isaac realized it was Jacob, he gave the blessing. Try to put yourself in Jacob's place, in Isaac's place. He thought he was blessing. Oh, I'm blessing my favorite son, my junior, Esau. I bless you, I bless you. You know, I won. I broke the will of God. I'm blessing my firstborn son. And then Esau comes like, Papa, I have your soup, Papa. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Esau. And then it says in verse 33, Isaac trembled very violently. One Hebrew scholar translates this verse as, He trembled a trembling, a great unto excess. Trembling, a trembling, trembled a trembling. Why did Isaac tremble very violently? I think because he learned that God's will prevailed over his. Oh, I thought I won. I insisted. I got my way. And then he thought he beat God and then discovered that that was not the case. Just as the Lord said while the twins were born, the one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. That is exactly what happened. In verse 29, Isaac thought he was saying to Esau the words of God that were meant for Jacob. Let people serve you, Esau, and nations bow down to you. Be lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you, Esau. And then he discovered, oh, wow, Mali, I said it not to Esau. I said it to Jacob. And when he realized he said those words to the very person, he doesn't want to say those words, but to the very person God has chosen to receive those words, he trembled. And so finally in verse 40, Isaac admitted defeat and confirmed the words of God to Jacob by telling to Esau in verse 40, by your sword you shall live, Esau, I'm sorry, and you shall serve your brother. Many times people think, that they had their way over the Lord. No? Yeah. Then one day they will be proven wrong. And I don't know that when that happens, you know, when we're living in sin, we go, oh, I'm, I'm cheating God. And then something happens to remind you, you cannot deceive God. God cannot be mocked. He's patient. His, his patience is long. He, he endures, you know. He allows our stubbornness to go on. But then in the writing says, enough is enough. My will shall be done. Many times we feel or think that we or other people have defied God's will. But one day we realize that no one can frustrate the will of God. The Egyptian Pharaoh thought they cornered 
Israel, right? When they were trapped in Red Sea and says, so good, mga kapatid. They thought they have cornered Israel. They are in the mercy of their hands. And we know how the story ended. Israel crossed the Red Sea in dry land, and all of them, not one drowned, but Pharaoh and the Egyptian soldiers, most of them drowned. The Pharisees thought when they crucified Jesus, we won, woo! But when Jesus died and rose again, Jesus became even more powerful and glorious, and they were not able to stop the spread of the gospel. The Roman rulers and the Jewish leaders tried to destroy the church in the book of Acts and history. They arrested the Christians, put to prison many of them, killed a number of them, banished them from Rome, and then confiscated their properties and burned their scriptures, their Bibles. And yet history tells us that the Roman Empire dissipated, it deteriorated until it's gone, but the Church of Christ is growing. Yes, sometimes we feel that the church in North America is having a tough time. But in other parts of the world, in Iran, in South Korea, and in many parts of Asia and Africa, the church is blossoming. And it's in fulfillment of what Jesus says. One time he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The smallest seed in the old earth. But when planted, it becomes the largest plant in the garden. And that is what happens exactly. Job forgot all about his complaints to God when God showed up and spoke to him. You know, you know, Job, Job has complaints. God, why am I suffering? Why did my, I lose my properties? Why have I all this source? And why did all my children die? He was, said, I would like an audience with you. And then when the Lord gave in to his demands and showed himself, what did Job do? What was his reaction? He says, I know that you can do all things. And no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I shut up and I repent. And it intrigues me that God did not give Job an explanation for his sufferings. We now know, but he did not. All he did to Job was show him his glory. And sometimes when we ask God questions about his will, he doesn't give us the answers right away. Instead, he shows us his glory. And it's enough for us. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts has purpose, and who will annul it? God himself, as the rain and snow does not go back to heavens without watering the earth, so is my words. It will not come back to me empty. It shall accomplish the purpose why I have sent it. Now, let's try to imagine. Because Jacob lied and connived with the bad plan of his mom, he had to leave home and will not come back until after 20 years. Because he connived, no? He had to leave home and be cheated by his own uncle Laban. We'll talk about later. And he will not come back after 20 years. Because Rebecca resorted to deceit instead of honest confrontation, from this day on, she will not see her son anymore. She even said to her son, Jacob, Go now. Now when your kuya has subsided in his anger, I'll call for you. That will not happen. Because Rebecca will die before Jacob returns. Because Esau despised his birthright and lived a worldly life, marrying pagan women and taking the things of God lightly, he and his descendants will become hostile people and will live by the sword. And because Isaac tried to go against the will of God, his life did not end as well as it started. 
But what if? Ito nakuha ko kay John Lloyd. Okay? What if? What if Isaac surrendered to the will of God and willingly gave his blessings to Jacob? Saya sana, no? He would say, Esau, I really like your bulalo, your soup. But the Lord has spoken, he has chosen your younger brother. But don't worry, Esau. Even though God has not chosen you to receive the blessing, he promised my father Abraham, he'll take care of you. Look at your uncle Ishmael. If he did that, perhaps no problem. What if he did not love food too? What if he was not a foodie? That, that the senses and his discretions were dulled. What if Rebecca spoke to her husband and rebuked him for ignoring the will of God? Rebecca could talk to Isaac. We learned in the last chapter, she talked to Isaac, Honey, don't allow our son to marry one of these Canaanite women. Send her to my brother. She could talk. Why she did not? What if? Rebecca spoke to her husband and lovingly confronted him about the will of God. What if Jacob rebuked his mom and refused to cooperate with the bad plan? What if he told Rebecca, Mom, talk to that. Talk to God and pray together and know the will of God and decide what will happen to me and to my kuya. What if Esau took the responsibility of his earlier mistake and humbly accepted his wrong choice? What if he did not give up? His birthright for a bottle of so what if, what if? Do you have these what ifs in life? What if I married another person? Oops. My other boyfriend or a girlfriend? My ex? What if I stayed in the Philippines or in my land of birth instead of migrating to Canada? What if happened to my life? What if? What if he became a doctor instead of an engineer? What if I became an accountant instead of a nurse? What if I took my studies seriously? What if would I have a better life? What if I did not do that stupid thing? Forgive the word stupid, but sometimes we do stupid things. What if I did not do that stupid thing? What if I chose the hard but right thing? Now, we could learn from our what ifs. But John Lloyd said, it's important to embrace the what is. What is? In Genesis 48, Jacob would learn from his father's mistake. I'll fast forward. He would meet Joseph, his favorite son, you know. And Joseph would bring twins also, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was the culture of the day to bless the firstborn. And I forgot it was the firstborn, either Ephraim or Manasseh. But what did Jacob do? He crossed his hand and blessed the younger over the other, over the older. And Joseph, dad, 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 that's not my firstborn. I know that I'm blessing. I'll bless your older son too, but I'm blessing more your younger. He learned to listen to the will of God. He put Ephraim, the younger, before Manasseh, the older. Now, we cannot change the past. By God's grace, though, we can change the future and the present. While we think about our what-ifs and learn from them, it's more important to accept what is and do what's right. And that is biblical. It's not just John Lloyd. Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 to 14, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We cannot change the past, 
We cannot live in regret. If you have sinned or are living in sin, confess your sin and repent. Ask God's forgiveness and receive it and believe it. Pursue holiness again. If you have run away from the Lord or just following Him at the distance, you can go close, draw close to Him. He will not reject you. He will not drive you away. If you have stopped serving God and because of something, admit that you've made the wrong choice and you want to serve God again. If you have hurt somebody, say sorry. Ask for forgiveness. If you have strained or destroyed some relationship, even though it was not your intention, but if you have done something that destroyed the relationship, even it was not intentional to hurt people, if you have hurt people, do what's right. You're not perfect. You're not a member of the Trinity. We are all humans. We make mistakes. That's why the Lord invented the word, I'm sorry. If you have made a wrong choice in life, change if it can. If you cannot, ask the Lord to help and bless and then give you, help you give your best. The will of God, no one can frustrate it. It's not a question of what God will do. It's a question is, what do we do when the will of God is revealed to us? Bobby Richardson, a New York Yankee, he offered a very contrite and concise prayer during the fellowship of the Christian athletes. He said this, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, in Jesus' name, amen. The will of the Lord. What God wills will happen one way or the other. It may take some time, it might be delayed, but it will happen. No one and nothing could stop it. The issue is not, Will God's will happen? It will happen. The issue is, how do we respond to the will of God? Will we ignore it? Will we go against it? Or do we surrender and abide by it? To seek God's will and abide by it is in itself a success. Just to seek the will of God and ask the Lord, Lord, help me do your will. In God's book, that is already a success. May we seek the will of God for our lives in the lives of our loved ones and learn from this episode in Isaac's family. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know how this, this message in this passage of Genesis, how it touches or how it speaks or how it reaches to the hearts, minds, and, and uh, ears of my brothers and sisters. But I just preach a word as faithfully and as correctly as I could by your spirit. And I entrust to you, Lord God, what it should do in the lives of my brothers and sisters, including mine. But if there's something we could learn is, it's for our own good that we seek your will and abide by your will. It's for our detriment that we try to ignore it and go against it. If your will is easy, then hallelujah. But if your will is hard, then give us the grace to ask for your help to implement it. When it means giving up things, giving up our pride, letting go of our dreams to submit to your will, then help us. Help us abide by it. 
For we know that no one can frustrate your will. No one can go against your plan. No one can destroy your will. You always reserve the first and the last word in every situation. You may allow us to say some things in between, but you will always have the first and the last word. But thank you, Lord, as we learn that we cannot do anything about our what-ifs. What is done is done. But we have your grace. We have your forgiveness. We have your mercy. And so help us see what we can do now. Do what's right and continue doing it to honor you, to glorify you, and to be a blessing to others. Help us seek you, know you, and be near you, and, and serve you, and learn to enjoy you from now on. We cannot change the past. We cannot do anything about the what-ifs, but just to learn lessons from them. But by your grace, we can do something about the what-ifs. And may we do what's right for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray.